Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we gather this day again to dwell with each other in your house, to be fed by your word and spirit, by the body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. We pray, Lord, as we, as we live and as we dwell in this world, we pray that you would remind us when, when in those times that we run away from you that you still love us, that you are there for us. And we pray that you would walk with us that we might be an influence in this world and touch the lives of people with your presence and with your love. Father, we pray, help us to be your children and to live and to walk in faith each day. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you all, but I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night with that wind blowing. And the wind blows. And sometimes I remember the old expression, the wind blows where it may. And what the wind blows in sometimes amazes us. So I like to think that those young people who, who were blown in by the wind yesterday uh, graced us this morning with, with the gift of music. And, and uh, in case you didn't know, they were uh, all seventh and eighth graders. So what amazing voices they have for, for kids of that age. So, uh, And a reminder, I'm just going to put a plug in, that we have another group coming in next week on Sunday evening, and they will be here from you know, Lutheran High School in Parker, Colorado. So uh, we pray the weather's a little bit nicer for them, but that's next Sunday. You'll hear more about that next Sunday morning. In our text today... We have that very familiar story of the prodigal son. And, and it's important for us to understand what's going on in this story. And I'd love to take a couple of hours to really unfold it all for you, but I, I don't have that kind of time. So we'll just kind of hit on some of the important things. And the first of all is to remember that this story really revolves around the cross of Christ. And it's really all about what Christ does for us no matter where we're at in our lives. Uh, we call it the story of the, the prodigal son, but, but really in this story, there's, there's more than one prodigal, if you will. Uh, there's something to learn from, from both of these, these sons. The younger son comes to his father in a very bold way, and he asks his father for his portion of the inheritance. In those days, uh, since he's the younger son, it would have been about a third of all that the father owned. And, and normally, you didn't do that. You see, when you received your inheritance, that was when your father would, what? Died. And yet this father who loves his son gives this inheritance before his death. So here's a question for you. When do we receive our inheritance from God? We receive it now, by faith. God gives it to us because he loves us wholly and freely. 
And the question is, what do we do with our inheritance? We know what happens in the parable, in the story that Jesus tells. We know that this young man goes away and he wastes it. He squanders it in a faraway land. And we like to say in in some ways, and probably in wine, women, and song, and whatever else you could think of, until he's living with nothing. And probably feels like he's all alone. You see, the son thought that he could have it both ways. He thought he could have, you know, have his cake and eat it too, if you will. I can have all of the inheritance and I can live life then on my terms. And how often do we as Christians sometimes think that way? I'm a believer, but I can live life on my terms. I don't have to listen to the Father. I don't have to listen to His call or how He wants me to live. I'm going to live my own way and do my own thing. And we, like the younger son, run away from the Father. We squander the very inheritance that he has chosen to give to us. And to the point when perhaps when we too are in some type of trouble, remember our father and want to come back to him. That happens. That happens in our world where people who wander away from God at some point in their life finally come to their senses and return home. There are those, who, however, who, who want to come back but can't quite bring themselves to do it because they think that if they come back that people who know everything about them are going to despise them or not like them, that they're going to be treated unkindly, or I love this one, that the roof and the walls of the church will cave in on me if I ever walk on, uh, in through the doors. Some of those are excuses, but some of those are a real reluctance because they're afraid of how they might be treated. Can you imagine this young man going home wondering how he's going to be received or treated, not by his fellow uh, brother, he's not worried about that, but by his father. How could God love me when I have lived my life so apart from him? That's what so many think. And yet the text tells us that the father never stops hoping for the return of his son, that he's keeping watch day after day, wondering when his younger son is going to come home. And if we read ahead a little bit in the story, we get the idea that this younger son has been gone for quite a length of time by the words of the older son. Look, these many years I have served you and never once disobeyed your command. Years. What does that tell us? That we who know individuals who have wandered away from God never give up hope. That even if years have gone by, that God is still there pursuing 
longing and loving. The young man returns home. The father runs and greets him. Even hardly before the son can get his words out, the father's instructing the servant to come, to put a ring on his finger, a robe on him, and, and shoes on his feet. Instructs him to go and kill the fattened calf, and they throw a party for the son. I love that image, throwing that party. The scripture tells us that the angels in heaven rejoice when a single sinner repents. Think about that for a moment. A party in heaven when a sinner repents. I used to think that perhaps what that means is that heaven is one continuous party. Because people have to be repenting all over the place, all the time. But then knowing our culture today, it makes you wonder. Maybe the parties are a little more sparse than what they used to be. The father loves his son. No recriminations. No questions about where he's been or what he's done with the inheritance. He just takes him home. That's important for us to remember. When we're talking with people and we're sharing our faith, it's not in our place to pass judgment. It's just in our place to welcome them home, to let them know that there's a God who loves them and who forgives them. And forgiveness is all about leaving your baggage at the foot of the cross. Unfortunately, sometimes we in the church, and I don't mean you all because you would never do this, but sometimes we act like the older brother. We take on our self-righteous attitudes. I've been a Christian all my life and I've done everything right. What, what does he think coming into our church and behaving and acting the way he has in his life? I know that doesn't happen here. But I can tell you it happens in a lot of churches where people are judged by the way they dress, their ethnic background. They're judged by how many tattoos they have or rings in different places. They're judged because they're different. because they didn't do it the way we thought it should happen. 
So many times Christians judge in the same way that the Pharisees judged Jesus. He's not like us. He doesn't teach the way we think he ought to teach. He hangs out with the wrong kind of people. Have you seen who he hangs around? He doesn't deserve to be one of us. Father, I've been faithful to you. I have followed all of your instructions and you never gave me what you gave him. You know what the failure is with the older brother? He failed to understand that the inheritance that was still there was his to use. That when the father gave the inheritance to the younger son, he would have also given it to the older son. And the older son had all of that at his disposal to use. How many times do we forget what God has provided to us is available to use? gift of prayer and his word, the gift of worship and fellowship, and the resources entrusted to us, the very gift of salvation that we live and walk in every day. The father loves his sons, and the sons who apparently don't get along with each other, we hope, love their father. But the Father's love is unconditional for both of them. We learn from this that our love likewise should be like that of Christ Jesus. That we too, living in this world, as Paul reminds us, should be ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal to the world through us. Paul implores us on behalf of Christ to first of all be reconciled to God. To come running to the Father. To confess our sins and to know that our Father embraces us with the forgiveness that Jesus Christ won on the cross. And he calls us then to be ambassadors to the world, to be about the ministry of reconciliation, restoring people in that broken relationship that they have with God the Father. And reminding them that there's a Savior who is with them. See, we're called to, to be Christ. There's a lot of people in, in our lives that we run across who are running away. They're running away from God. And we are called to be Christ to them. To bring to them that, that ministry, that, that message of reconciliation about the cross of Christ where he died and paid for our sins, for our wrongs. 
and that we are welcome into the kingdom of God, no matter who we are or where we've been or what we've done. We are welcomed into his kingdom with open arms. We are called to be present in this world. Not to be the world, but to be present as brothers and sisters in Christ, as believers in who he is and what he's done. We are called to be present in a way that people see the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Savior. Be present. Be a people who who live the faith, who share the faith, who wrap your arms around those who are lost, a people who welcome them home. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds on the true faith of God in Christ Jesus, and to life everlasting. Amen.